0: My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Well, tonight I can say that because it's a solo episode tonight. Uh, No Tasha. Big, busy schedule for Tasha at the moment, doing some amazing things with her Fox Sports commentary, working on the judiciary, and a bunch of other things. And our friend Dana, a little bit of a mishap at uh, at a a festival with her um, work there, but I'll let Dana share that story on next week's episode. To our listeners, this is a great opportunity for me. I've always wanted to jump on here one-on-one and uh, talk your ear off about all things rugby league. So let's jump into it. It's going to be a nice, um, tight episode as we uh, talk all things rugby league. All right, well, let's jump into your listener questions. And again, I really do appreciate you guys reaching out, sending them through to us each and every week. Our DMs continue to be flooded with your amazing questions. It's often difficult to pick only one. Um, But this question that we've picked out here, as I look through there, is who is the best front rower in the game? Thank you for sending that one through. Look, it's really, really tricky at the moment because I think we're going through a bit of a golden age when it comes to front rowers in the game of the NRL. I mean, if you just think about some of the elite players in the game, we've got James Fisher Harris, Josh Papali'i, uh Adam Fanua Blake, Payne Haas, and my boy from Newcastle, Daniel Saifidi. I just think that, you know, whilst we've probably had individual players that you could argue are, you know, probably. Uh, played a little bit better than some of the, these guys. I don't think we've ever had a group as strong as this one. So to just pick one, look, it is very, very difficult... Look, I'd say that Payne Haas probably has got his nose in front. I think there was there, there was a period there where James Fisher-Harris could probably call himself uh, the number one front rower in the game. But I'd probably say Payne, he's just inching, he's inching his way forward. Uh, but I'm going to come in late and come in with D- Daniel um, you know, It's a bit of a homer pick, I know. But, you know, again, this guy's getting a little bit undervalued. Um, and it just goes to show that there is some value in... I guess investing in your juniors You know Newcastle suffered bringing through A lot of younger players for a lot of years And look we've had Daniel and his brother Jacob In our system for many 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 years And he is an unbelievable professional um, Dominating at the highest level And uh, Newcastle are definitely missing him For the start of the season So for me I'd go Daniel Saifidi 1 I'd go Payne has 2 James Fisher Harris 3 And then Josh Papali'i and Adam Fennell Blake uh, Just behind Alright, well let's jump into our first segment for tonight, All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Here's Cameron Smith, this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's yes! got it! He's got the field goal! Every job inside the You just knew something special was going to happen. Yeah, that's right. And look, this is one of the best times of the week as we jump into our All ball segment where we focus in on a particular player and we continue with our Legends series. This week on the show, we dive into Jonathan Thurston. Now, there are some players that obviously it's very disappointed to see them retired, but there's other players where you just crave that moment. That was certainly the case for Jonathan Thurston for me as a New South Wales fan, New South Wales supporter, because he absolutely tortured us um, at representative level, but let's uh, let's take it all the way back and slowly go through JT's career because it has so many storylines, so many things that I think we can all relate to in terms of, you know, he, he's not a player who had everything go his way, so let's dive into it. To start with, let's talk about the frame, the body size, you know, when you think about JT, he will go down as one of the all-time uh, greatest players in our game but he stands at only five foot ten uh 89 kilos was probably his peak weight as well so you know one of the things that jt did um, you know coming through the cannery bulldog system you know 20304 is you know he was he was let go you know he sort of obviously didn't stand out on paper he was a small uh, scrawny young playmaker there and you know, the Bulldogs were going through a bit of a golden era where they had quite a number of um, playmakers there. They had Brent Sherwin, and, you know, it just seemed like they were going to go on another, you know, 10-year, um, you know, dominance. So letting a, letting a player like Thurston go, uh, it just seemed to make sense at the time. But, um, yeah, obviously if they would have their time over, I think they'd be, um, yeah, handing him quite an attractive uh, offer there. But, yeah, JT, he, he moves all the way up to North Queensland, to the Cowboys And then we start to see history. You know, the reality of the North Queensland Cowboys franchise, especially during those early years, is, you know, ultimately NRL players saw it as as an easy win an easy two points. Um and they were more sort of focused on the nightlife. I think we've all heard the the great stories on a few different podcasts about sort of packing your jeans and being ready for a night out. That was sort of the culture there in Townsville. So it's pretty remarkable that um you know Thurston, it, it you know, it took him a long time to sort of really, you know, get some get some high quality players in and around him. But slowly but surely um you know he he led the way in terms of rebuilding this team to you know, eventually go on and um, and win their own premiership. So, yeah, great job by Jonathan Thurston. If we think about uh, his Cowboys career, it has so many moments. Um, he played from 2005 through to 2018 where he did re- retire. Uh, he played 294 games for the Cowboys. But I guess for me, you cannot think about Jonathan Thurston in a Cowboys jersey without thinking about his little mate, uh, Matt Bowen there at fullback and I think that's what I guess best uh, Some of my best memories of, of of JT is you know on a Saturday night On Fox Sports there would be A random game you know round 14 uh, You know 2009 Where you know JT he just Takes centre stage and He's just got this amazing ability to, I guess, bring the best out of the players around him, and um, you know, I, I think he, even he would admit that Matty Bowen and his combination it just got to a point where they both knew each other; they didn't have to say anything. They they were just it was just automatic, and that combination was absolutely deadly, and it absolutely tormented um, teams for for quite a quite a number of years. Let's skip through now to, uh, you know, his representative career. And again, you know, we forget about, you know, the era in which JT kind of started his origin career because, you know, Queensland, they had long suffered um, after, you know, some uh, really dominating performances from the New South Wales Blues. But, you know, JT, he jumps into that, um, he jumps into the fire there in state of origin. And I think he, he continues to sort of develop his game. You know, JT goes from this creative playmaker to someone who, you know, builds those leadership skills. And you know, before we know it, we see a Queensland Maroons dynasty that I think many many will agree will will never see again. So um, yeah, Jonathan Thurston, um, his ability to get the best out of the players around him and continue to elevate his game. I think Thurston would even admit that. His game year on, year out, besides probably that as those last 12 to 18 months, it just got better and better and better, and that was all through the hard work. Um, some key highlights in terms of his game, I thought his passing game was absolutely elite, often to his detriment. His ability to kind of take the ball to the line and just pass at that very last second, he wasn't just it wasn't for jt it wasn't just about committing one defender it was committing it was committing two or three but he would take so much punishment as a smaller playmaker digging into the line at both club and representative level often he would get it out the back to into an, an incredible fullback whether it was matty bowen at the cowboys or billy slater um, there for queensland and off quite often we'd see a series defining moment off the back of um jt's pass so uh, absolutely incredible there. And as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, that leadership in terms of his ability to kind of rebuild the Cowboys club, uh, as well as, I guess, you know, s- step into an origin arena where you have. The best of the best. You have the Cameron Smiths, you have uh, you know Greg Inglis, you have all of these unbelievable personalities within that group. The coach himself, Mal Meninga. These are big, massive presence in the history of our game. But Thurston was able to go in there, and uh, you know he he was he was in charge, and um, yeah, just just goes to show, um, yeah, just how much of an incredible leader Jonathan Thurston was. So again, an incredible thirty seven games for Queensland. Uh, It's just just totally unbelievable, Uh, five tries, 99 goals, Um, and yeah, it was definitely part of that historic run that Queensland went on, and it doesn't stop there, obviously Thurston, he would have been the first player picked when it comes to uh, the Australian Kangaroos, Um, again, it was a very interesting period, because we do know, if we're very honest with ourselves, we do know that state of origin jerseys mean more Um, You know, quite often players will try and talk up that Australian jersey, but there was a period there where, you know, the gap between state of origin and that that test level uh, was very significant. But again, I want to, you know, give a little bit of praise to the likes of Jonathan Thurston because he spoke about putting on that jersey with so much passion. Um, His performances were incredible. It kind of lifted the competition as well. You saw New Zealand have that upset World Cup win as well, which was great for the sport. But, yeah, I really feel like Jonathan Thurston brought a lot to that jersey and really kind of in a way he restored um, some of the the love and the respect that we have for that jersey. And now um, it very much is, you know, despite the fact we haven't seen a lot of that football because of COVID, um, I think Jonathan Thurston can take a lot of credit uh, for that so dominating for the Cowboys, uh, dominating for the Maroons, dominating for the Kangaroos, um, an incredible career, that's for sure. But it wasn't short of uh, challenges. There were um, some very you know, difficult times uh, for, uh, for Jonathan Thurston there at the Cowboys. And I guess one of the biggest things for him was his challenge to win a grand final. You know, you think about some of the other sports, uh, whether it's NBA. I know Charles Barkley gets a lot of flack for, you know, he's a great player, but he never won that championship, and you just got to a, it got to a stage where you were so worried that. You know, is Thurston going to be able to win that elusive premiership? You know, he got the Canterbury Bulldogs one um, at the very start of his career, but you know, even he would say that he wasn't front and center in that. So, could Jonathan Thurston lead this Cowboys team to a premiership? That was kind of the final, the final, uh, I guess, touch that he needed on his resume, and he did uh, in two thousand and five. I guess we all remember where we were. We all remember watching this um, this incredible um, grand final. You know, it gets to the stage where you know you're watching these um, you're watching these grand finals, and you know you're in the moment. You always think they're the best ever, but you know, I guess a little bit of time has passed now between uh, 2015. It's now 2022. Obviously, how time flies. But yeah, that was a truly special grand final. Um, and you know, for a few things. You know, a few things, you know, just like every grand final, one or two things change. Maybe Jonathan Thurston doesn't have that grand final victory, but, you know, just that, that, you know, conversion from the sideline and then, you know, obviously the field goal. um, Again, it was Jonathan Thurston's opportunity to once again for, um, you know, just another time step up on the biggest stage and just show that he is, you know, one of the game's best ever players. So, look, that was an incredible moment. Obviously, we talk a lot about that Ben Hunt knock-on. That's going to go down in infamy. But um, yeah, Thurston, absolutely, absolutely special. And uh, for him to kick that field goal to secure the to secure their first ever premiership, that's pretty special. So just quickly reflecting on it as well was, uh, I guess, the legacy that he leaves there in North Queensland. Um, You know, probably didn't get to leave at the very, very top of his game. You know, obviously battled a shoulder injury, but, um, you know, we'll still remember him as an absolute champion. But, you know, again, you think about his legacy, and he leaves North Queensland, he leaves Townsville with that incredible stadium that's now built. And you just wonder if, you know, Jonathan Thurston never turned up in North Queensland, and this was, again, a struggling franchise. Number one, you know, do the Cowboys survive in what what has been a very competitive market? And number two, do they have a multi-million, billion-dollar stadium up there at Townsville? Probably not. So, again, Thurston, he's going to go down in history. But, again, if my panel was here, we always – well, we try not to sit on the fence. And I guess the question we have in our Legends series is, will Jonathan Thurston go down as an immortal – uh, the Hall of Fame absolutely I think that's an absolute shoe- in but this immortal status it's something a little bit different obviously he's going to be have to retire for a period of time before it gets voted on but for me um, I do not give these out lightly because I think one of the things that's really strong about um, our game is that you know there aren't there are very very few spots it's for the absolutely elite and for me Jonathan Thurston, he has to be in that conversation. I think it's a very close call. For me, I I, I would be voting him in. Um, you know, there's just there's just no question marks on his career. He was able to do it at club level. He was able to do it for his state. He was able to do it for his country. Um, I think if he didn't win that premiership, I, you know, that's probably going to be the deciding vote. But for me, um, it's a yes to Jonathan Thurston being a future immortal. All right, well, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and it just gets more tricky in our match as we continue with our Battle of the Legends series. Um, This week, we're looking at the Melbourne Storm. So we're picking out a couple of legends to um, go toe-to-toe, and it is the great Billy Slater coming up against Greg Inglis. Uh, but only one, um, only one will win this one. Let's start with Billy Slater. And uh, for those that are new to Mojo, go back and have a bit of a listen to previous episodes um, where we, you know, spend a little bit, bit bit more time on Billy Slater. But what's to what's to say about Billy the Kid? Um, I think one of the things that does stand out, and we'll talk a little bit about Greg Inglis's career, is Billy Slater's one club career. You know, it's so. Um, I guess it's it's so difficult now in the modern era to play your entire career with one team, with one franchise. I'm sure there were plenty of opportunities for Billy to kind of, you know, go elsewhere on bigger money and and take on different opportunities, probably in different codes as well as we battled Rugby Union. But, uh, you know, Billy just continued to um, stay loyal and continue to perform. So 323 appearances for the Melbourne Storm, I think that's one of the things that, that best stands out. And I think the other thing that's most impressive about Billy Slater is his, I guess, appeal and his ability to attract um, junior rugby league players into our game, because sometimes you look at the elite of the elite players in our game from an athletic perspective, and as a young kid coming through, if you're a little bit behind, you think, that that, that can't be me, that's never going to be me, I'm never going to make it, and I'm certainly never going to dominate at the NRL level. You know, Billy Slater, He was a, he was a jockey growing up there at the Waterhouse Stables, he's you know, five foot nine, probably standing on a shoebox. I don't think he'd mind me saying that. Um, Eighty nine kilos at his best, at his biggest, but again, goes down as one of the greatest ever players. So I guess it's just a, it's a great message that you continue to repeat to junior rugby league players that it doesn't matter about size. It's just, it's just all about how much you want it, how much work you're going to put in. And I think we're only seeing now, um, as he as he's I guess newly appointed as the Queensland coach, just how smart and just how clever Billy is because he revolutionised the game. So I guess the next thing on Billy Slater is we can talk through, again, his remarkable achievements at the Melbourne Storm, uh, 31 um, appearances there for Queensland, 30 for Australia, a big part of the Queensland Maroons' success. But let's talk quickly about how he revolutionised the game. Look for Billy Slater. Um, you know he was, I guess, an, a mad scientist when it comes to both sides of the football. So when it comes to the you know offensive um, side of things, as well as in defence, his ability to kind of organise from the back. Um, I think his motor had a lot to do with that as well. I think a lot of fullbacks in the modern game struggle to. Communicate on every tra- uh, tackle and make sure that everything is set up because there's just so much fatigue in the game at the moment. But Billy, Billy's fitness enabled him to kind of do that for the full 80 minutes. So that you know that just made him invaluable in defence. And you know it's probably not something that you think about with, with Billy Slater. But I'm sure when Craig Bellamy, you know, when you know, and there was only very few opportunities besides a few sort of longer term injuries at the back end end of his career. But when Billy Slater wasn't in your football team, um, you certainly felt it from that offensive side. But it's attack where he made all his money and where he made his reputation. And Billy created the third playmaker. There was a lot of players historically who have who have done it, um, but Billy was able to sort of take it to a new level. You know, suddenly we had this uh, this evolution of the game of rugby league where you had your two halves, your, your five eight, your halfback. Um, You know, we've we've had situations where playmakers, they've been planted on one side of the football field. You know, Melbourne, you know, really sort of, um, I guess, changed the game. They were able to sort of, you know, think about ways in which a fullback could come in and play as a playmaker um, and just basically provided an an unbelievable attacking threat. It opened up both sides of the football field for the Melbourne Storm, both centres, both sides, both wingers it, it made them very very difficult, um and in particular their second rowers as well you know they were able to sort of send some bigger bodies towards defenses and um you know Billy was sort of controlling things from the back there, so um yeah, really, really incredible, and his ability to kind of you know his I, I guess his his kick chase and his ability to do the one percenters just really um, stood him out as as one of the game's um, absolute elites but uh, you know, for him to do that, uh, you know, he had to put a lot of work in to effectively learn how to be a halfback um, and sort of balance that with his roles there at fullback. So yeah, incredible incredible career there from Billy Slater will certainly go down as one of the all-time greats. If we now flip, flip it over to uh, his competitor tonight, and it is the great uh, Greg Inglis. Now, Greg, he may not have, uh, you know, been a one-club player, but, uh, you know, for our new listeners, again, go back and listen to some previous episodes where we dig in on Greg Inglis's career. The thing with Greg is we all feel like he made the right move. You know, we're not discounting his, his early career at the Melbourne Storm. He actually played 118 games. I mean, when you think about Greg Inglis, you always think about him in a South Sydney uh, uniform, but... He had he had some incredible performances, some incredible years down there in Melbourne. But he's moved to South Sydney. It started a bit of a revolution there for the Rabbitohs. You know, obviously with you know Russell Crowe, um, you know, sort of buying buying the team. It, it slowly turned things around. There were a few players during those early years that should take a lot of credit for the slow rebuild of that club. You know, Johnny Sutton, Nathan Merritt. Uh, those types of players, but you know, it really was the signing of um, you know, GI and then Sam Burgess that really um, you know, made this team a, a year in year out top four football team. And you know, th- th- this has been something that you know they've been able to hold in place after his left. So for me, you know, Greg Inglis, you know, we have rarely seen um, an athlete like him, and we'll talk about we'll talk more about that in a moment. But I think one of the things that um, you know, really highlights how great of a career you've had Is the legacy that you leave, you leave. And, you know, G.I.'s footprint there on the South Sydney Rabbitohs it's, um, it's really, really incredible A lot of people were involved But I just don't think you get to the heights I don't think you win a premiership there in South Sydney If it wasn't for G.I. All right, let's talk about the physicality. Let's talk about this body. I mean, sometimes it's not fair. You know, this is where I talk about the disconnect between us and, and junior rugby league players because um, there are very few young athletes that um, that have the the physical attributes of um, Gregory Paul Inglis. Um, you know, six foot five, one hundred and five kilos, and his ability to, I guess, his agility, his explosive pace, and his ability to. I guess, demonstrate his motor um, at fullback. You know, that was one of the big question marks around Greg. We knew he was big. We knew he was powerful. We knew he could dominate on the edge. But how would he go, you know, sort of doing all of those additional kilometres there at fullback? And he showed that, you know, despite the the unbelievable frame that he was, you know, able to do that. And, you know, I think that was a big catalyst for his move away from the Melbourne Storm. I don't think he was ever going to unseat Billy Slater there for the fullback role. He wanted to go away. He wanted to test himself. And I think he did that. You know, we're, we're bypassing, you know, a lot of these um, great players, incredible career at that representative level. But again, you know, G.I., he was certainly there. Um, 32 appearances for Queensland, 39 test matches for Australia. You know, these are numbers that, you know, it's it's going to be very, very hard to see broken into the future. So, again, another incredible player. All right. It's a little bit difficult because I feel like I've got the the one and only vote here. Um, cannot sit on the fence when it comes to the match. Who is the better player there, Billy Slater or Greg Inglis. This is so difficult. Look, for me, I, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Billy Slater. Um, I just feel like he had, you know, he had a slightly, you know, longer career. Obviously, Greg, you know, that, that big that big body broke down a little bit earlier. Both players sort of struggled there towards the end, but I feel like, you know, Billy Slater's one club, uh, one club history, one club career with the Melbourne Storm it's near perfect. I mean, if you were to write a fairy tale storyline, it would be the story of Billy Slater. Um, so for me, I think just an inch, I'd give it to Billy. But you know, Greg, he yeah, he wouldn't be too far behind. And you talk about Hall of Fame. You talk about future immortals. I think both of these players are definitely in that conversation. All right, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. i sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, okay, show, oh my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this one's a pretty special uh, Rapid Fire for you. Again, we continue with the Legends series. And the question that I've got is, who is our favorite retired Newcastle Knights player? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well because um yeah, a bit of a homer Newcastle Knights fan, there are there are plenty. So send them through. Let me know who your retired player is. Yeah, with no panel tonight, um I get the I get the microphone, so um here we go, wind me up and let me go. You know, one of the things that I think is special about the Newcastle Knights is you always hear about this one town team. You know, and for those that aren't in Newcastle or for those that aren't in towns that have a similar um, type team, it's it, it's quite hard to understand. But you know, there were periods where, like a lot of towns, you know, there's ups and downs, and you felt like, you know, growing up in Newcastle, um, the Newcastle Knights being successful, it's hard to put into words. It put a smile on everyone's face. It, it you know probably uplifted productivity in the town, but uh, and not so much when we lost. But you know, it, it, it's hard to put into words what this football team means for this community. You know, you know, you sort of do some research globally, and you see, you know, some of the fanatical support of, um, you know, some of the European soccer teams, um, you know, even some of the high school and college um, American football teams. But you know, I, I would put that on, on par with the passion and love uh, for for this great club. So you think about legends. Well, there's been a few. Uh, there's been a few. Um, let's talk about some of my favorites from our from our premiership, uh, from our first premiership victory in 1997. Uh, Robbie O Davis there at fullback. I think he gave us a lot of swagger and a lot of. Uh, well, he was he was someone pretty special. He just gave so much flair and uh, yeah, Robbie O Davis. He was he was a special special player. Darren Albert on our wing. You know, Darren he um, he always had that sort of special big play ability um, and obviously he'll go down in history for winning the the premiership in '97. But yeah, an incredible talent. Um, you know, Tamara Tahu who came after him um, again, sort of. You know, giving us a little bit of an insight in this into this new age athlete, Tamana was um, was someone pretty special. Uh, Matthew Gidley created the the Gidley flick on the inside. Um, again, you know he he he's a very interesting uh, interesting player. But one of the things I would say about Matt Gidley is as great as his career was for the Newcastle Knights, he then went on to the UK to St Helens, and uh, yeah, he was pretty special over there as well. So um, yeah, jump on Google and check out Matt Gidley's career. Matthew Johns, uh, look, he's, a, he's an absolute favourite of, of mine, uh, you know, Matt, he, he sort of, I think he plays uh, plays a fool a little bit sometimes when he comes to his own ability with his brother, but very, very talented footballer, and someone who put a lot, a lot of work in, um, you know, was able to represent his state, represent his country, and yeah, just a really tough, high quality footballer there, uh, which I'm sure he doesn't uh, get get told enough, you um, and yeah, look for me. Drum roll. That leads us to my my one player, my favourite retired Knights player, and that is um, that is the goat. Uh, that is Andrew Johns. You know, Andrew was a lot of things uh, for Newcastle Knights fans growing up and watching him uh, watching him play. Um, you know, sometimes when you see rookies, um, you know, come into the game into rugby league, you wonder you know obviously they're talented but are they just early maturers you know like are they just coming in at 18 and 19 and showing you know that they're going to be an average rugby league player but they're doing it early you know that that's some of the that's some of the hard things when you see rookies come in it's like you know wh- where is this kid going you know for for whatever reason when we looked at Andrew Johns we just knew that hang on this this guy's this guy's a little different you know and you know Again, you, you've seen um, some of those debut games, like some of our current players. You know, I remember Luke Brooks, for example, for the West Tigers. He came in at halfback and absolutely starred. And I think he got the next Andrew Johns uh, tag. But you know, it just goes to show, you know, what 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 are these rookies about? And and so there was definitely something special about Andrew Johns. You talk about his game, and you know, over time he had everything. Um, you know, he had every pass, uh, he had every kick. Um, his kicking game was clearly one of his strengths, but I think it was his attitude that we've learned and his ability to, you know, he has that Michael Jordan, um, you know, arrogance around winning. You know, he absolutely despised his rival halfbacks and he had this, you know, competitive hatred that I just, you know, he was able to bottle that. And, you know, at times off the field he had his challenges, but on the field it just meant that, you know, similar to Jordan, he would you know, turn up to um, a game, you know, whether it was a, a regular, you know, nothing round game or whether it was, you know, one of the biggest moments in his career at State of Origin level. And he just was able to, I guess, channel his emotions and just say, look, this is the game where I take over. And we saw that time after time. The other thing that I thought was really great um, and puts him down as, 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 you know, the greatest player we've ever seen is he was able to improve, you know, Andrew Johns was not a good goal kicker. You know, when he first came into play, he was scratchy at best, you know. At the time, he was probably, you know, on par with a few people, but you know, compared to what we're doing now with kicking, he was he was very, very average. He worked with Darrell Halligan and completely, you know, changed that and, and at the time, you know, was sort of, you know, going toe to toe with El Masri is one of the best goal kickers in the game. That just shows you that Andrew Johns, even the smallest components of his game, he wanted to be the best. He didn't want to be good. He wanted to be the best. So, you know, Joey, again, he plays the full little bit on TV and things like that. But, you know, um, you know, we're starting to get on a little bit. I know there's a lot of people that didn't get the opportunity to see him play, but he was truly special. And the last thing that made him great, and it's something that's a little bit controversial and a little bit different, but for the purists that did watch him play, It was his defense. Um, Andrew Johns was an unbelievable defender, and I think that, I think that sort of you know, uh, I guess you know, helped him with his overall uh, attitude on the football field. You know, he's not your traditional small little halfback that was getting run over. You know what I mean? He could put on hits on people. His uh, technique was something that he worked on. He could fold blokes, and I think that that really built into that 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 self-confidence. He was able to, to, you know, get into a game very early, get his body in front, put on some hard tackles, and, you know, that just sort of got him into the game very, very quickly. You know, there were very few games that you would watch with Andrew Johns where he would sort of, you know... Suddenly appear, you know, in the fiftieth minute. You know, Andrew Johns was sort of in the game within the first ten minutes every time, um, and that was another special moment. And not to mention, he won at all. So for me, um, yeah, look, thank you for allowing me to uh, reminisce on some of the the greatest Newcastle Knights players that we've had. I've missed the Tarn Paul, the Chief Harrigan, uh, incredible, incredible front rower, inc- incredible man, incredible captain. Tony Butterfield, Danny Badiris, Kurt Gidley. um, We've absolutely been blessed. And let's hope that um, that tradition continues to roll forward for the Knights. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got a premiership in our future. All right, well, thank you very much to our listeners uh, for bearing with me tonight. Um, yeah, again, it was a great opportunity to sit down with you guys one-on-one and talk rugby league. Tonight we covered a lot. We talked, we spoke about some of the best front rowers in the game, gave a little bit of love to Daniel Saifidi, and we talked about some absolute legends tonight. Jonathan Thurston, Billy Slater, Greg Inglis and Andrew Johns. What a What a jam-packed show. As always, we really do appreciate you supporting the podcast. Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, And until next episode, I'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.